Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Meantime, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, fired up and ready for Week 11 with the Philadelphia Eagles in town coming up on Sunday. From that defensive line, he's had a fantastic year so far. DeForest Buckner joins us. DeForest, thank you for the time. How are you? I'm doing well. Appreciate y'all for having me. You got it. Thank you for dropping in here. So how's the neck situation? I saw you were back at practice today. You feeling okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm feeling all good. Just wanted to, you know, make sure everything was all right and give me an extra day. But uh, I'm feeling all good. Now, you've had to fight with some injuries. It was an elbow earlier this season. You know, obviously yeah, dealing with a neck right now, but, but feeling better. But it, it really it hasn't taken down your level of play. It, how difficult is that to deal with? Or because you've been through situations like this in a long NFL season dealing with injuries, is it something now that you're used to? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say. I mean, you kind of get used to it, yeah, but at the same time, it's still a hassle. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, got to make, obviously, got to learn how to play with certain injuries. You know what I mean? And um, I'm just lucky. We got a great training staff, you know, to help uh, get me back out there to, to really fight through it and make it through it on Sundays. The thing that I think would stand out to me is the frustration that can come along with it. Because you know, yeah. you know, the level in which you are, and then you're thinking, this thing is going to hamper me a little bit. Dealing with the frustration, to me, would seem like the most difficult thing. Oh, definitely, you know. Um, obviously, when you, you know, do certain things that you normally do really well, and, you know, you got to compromise and figure out, you know, an alternative way to kind of do it. Um, obviously, it's a hassle, but, I mean, I mean, you know, the good ones, they find a way to get it done. So I'm just trying to make sure I get it done. So DeForest Buckner joins us. Speaking of getting it done, how do you feel this defense is playing right now as we approach a week 11 and, and a really good Eagles offense? No, yeah, I mean, I feel like we've been playing at a high level. Um, you know, obviously areas that we can get better at is, uh, you know, taking the ball away more, you know, creating more turnovers, which uh, we've, been, we've been really preaching about. And, uh, you know, up to last week, you know, there was key situations where we needed to get off the field and um, – in the past games and we weren't able to do that and we ended up with you know losing it didn't matter how good we were playing throughout the entire game you know in the fourth quarter when we needed certain stops we didn't come up with it and i uh, feel so like uh this past week we, you know going against the raiders uh, we were you know we were able to make those two you know that third down with bobby making that big play and, and gilly making the fourth down stop at the end you know we were able to uh, obviously in those key situations get off the field but you know, we definitely need this game, as a, you know, as a team and as a defense. We need this game to, to go against the number one offense to really see where we're at. Well, and, and certainly things have been, I, I describe it as, as chaotic just because of the change and, you know, making a change on the fly. I want to get to that in just a second. But I want to talk about you along that defensive line with Grover Stewart and a little bit about Grover Stewart who like you this season has consistently played high level football. What has he meant to this defense? Oh, man, Grove is a, I mean, he means a lot, you know, especially in the run game. You know, um, he's just a dominant force in the run game. Um, you know, he he gets a one-on-one block. It's, you know, 10 times out of 10, he's making a play. You know, if he, if you, if he got him single block, then, uh, you know, it's, it's just been fun, man, playing next to Grove the past three years I've been here. I mean, he's always been, you know, a hell of a player, making big plays, and uh, finally he's getting the recognition he deserves, and I'm, I'm just happy for him, man. I mean, he's consistently been showing up. You know, every game day, um, you know, he shows up to the building every day with the same energy, uh, the same big smile and the same dominant, you know, um, mentality. And uh, he shows up on game days. And uh, that's one guy I know that I never need to worry about. Can, can you, I, I'm going to go to you on this because you're certainly the expert. Can you tell the way offenses and specifically offensive lines handle him now because of what he has become and developed into compared to how they used to in the past? Oh, most definitely. You know what I mean? Uh, Grove has definitely been taking a lot more double teams as well this year. Um, I, I definitely noticed that. And, uh, I mean, shoot, that just comes with the territory. You know, when you're putting – when you're constantly putting uh, dominant stuff on tape, you know, um, you know, teams are going to start game planning you. And um, he's been experiencing that a little bit. And uh, But, he, you know, he still finds ways to, you know, to make plays. And 
um, when, you know, when he take, gets that one-on-one opportunity, he takes advantage of it, which, um, you know, um, it's just exciting to play next to a man. And you don't understand, like, when, you, when you're playing next to a dominant, you know, all-pro level type of player, I mean, it makes your job a lot easier. So DeForest Buckner right there, who's absolutely one of those with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. You've been through a lot of things. You've been through the business of the game. You've been through the game at a high level, certainly on the field. What was the experience like going through the coaching transition um, on the fly? I mean, because you guys still got to prepare for a game on the road in Vegas that you needed to win. What was last week like for you, even though you've been through a lot so far in your veteran career? Yeah, I've been I've been through coaching changes, but it was, you know, obviously at the end of the year. And uh, I've been through it. Yeah, like you said, I've been through a lot in my career in the seven years. But that was the first time for me, you know, uh, midseason uh, with the coaching change. And, uh, you know, um, you know, moments like that, um, that's when you really need to lean on each other the most. You know, uh, obviously the, the, the your teammates, you know, the guys in the locker room really need to lean on each other and um, obviously support each other. And obviously, you know, we you know have those certain talks on, like, how we can turn things around. And, um, you know, like, you know, obviously it was it was things that we've done. Obviously, we weren't able to get done on the field to, you know, get to this point. And um, I feel like the guys, you know, took on that challenge with all the chaos going on. And, you know, I, um, you know with, with Jeff coming in and, um, you know, everybody getting behind, you know, what he's all about, you know what I'm saying, and, and the energy that he's brought to us, um, the accountability that he's brought to the team, um, it's been phenomenal. And the guys, been, you know, they just cut off with that energy all weekend. Um, you could you could just see the intensity in practice, you know, um, compared to the rest of the year, and um, it, it you know it, it correlated into the game. DeForest Buckner's with us. You're you're an an open-minded, intelligent dude, without a doubt, and in a you know obviously an embracing dude. As you've been through the business of it, you've gone through the on the field of it. I, I'm curious what you thought when you found out initially Jeff Saturday was going to be the interim head coach compared to what you thought after the first time he spoke to you guys as a team what was that feeling well, yeah i mean uh, obviously nobody you know nobody really expected at all that jeff Saturday was going to be our head coach you know what i mean um, we thought uh you know, they were going to elevate somebody you know you know on the staff already but um you know obviously um you know jeff was the was a change and um you know that first team meeting you know we didn't know what to expect and um like i said you know the energy that he brought to the team meeting you know the reasons you know why he came, why he decided to take take the job, and uh, what he was all about. I mean, I mean, shoot that that meeting. You know, it, it, you know, it, it, it touched me a little bit. You know what I'm saying? I, I kind of I was like, okay, I, I'm feeling it. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, I'm, I was talking to the guys after, and everybody felt the same way. And um, you know, it just went into a really great week of you know work. You know what I mean? And the guys really you know honing in on their craft and you know working to get better. Um, Jeff was out there, obviously, you know, um, you know, coaching guys up, you know, telling guys, you know, when certain things weren't good enough and then praising them when they were doing the right things. And, and you know, um, you know, the guys just fell off of the energy all weekend. Like I said, it correlated into the game. And, you know, we, I mean, guys played phenomenal in the game. Was it uh, that, that first meeting, his first comments to you? Because you're a team leader and people are also going to look for you on that on that team in that locker room for guidance as as a leader as well did, did that first speech did it speak to you was it inspiring and was it something you think was necessary for that team to hear at that moment oh yeah i mean obviously guys want you know um, when you, you know, bring, bring a guy in um you know guys want to know obviously you no know, reason why he took the job or whatever it is and you know he, he really just told the guys you know i mean i shoot he you know his adult his adult life was forged here. You know what I'm saying? Um, he cares about cares about all of us. You know our families. He's been through what we're going through. You know what I mean? Just like football, you know, having 14 years of it. You know, in his career, and also just the, the people. You know what I mean? The people in the equipment room, the people um, in the training room. You know, the, the people working around, the, just the staff, the support staff all around. He knows all these people. He's had these relationships with all these people for like 20 something years. He cares about them. You know what I mean? He just cares about everybody in the building, and he loves, you know, he loves the, the Colts organization. So that's why he decided to take over. And, um, you know, just being, just being very transparent and being himself. And, um, you know, I think the guys really, really like that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that too, DeForest. That speaking to you and, and being transparent, I would assume you guys could sniff out something that 
you know, absolutely wasn't on the up and up. Or I, I guess I should say if somebody was just talking. But, you know, his, oh, his, yeah, his, his speech, DeForest, it seems like that it reaches you and it, and it grabs you. Unlike if, if you, you know, if you sniffed it out and it wasn't real, that's something you could probably gather right away. No, most definitely. And uh, especially, you know, obviously when you're working with each other, when you're working with men, you know, for a common goal, obviously trust is a big thing. And, and uh, you know, and, you know, you can trust someone when they're just being their, their authentic self. And uh, he just bought that, you know, he was just authentic. You know what I mean? He just, he was just himself. He didn't want to, he didn't try to be some, somebody he's not. And um, obviously the guys, we all respect that. DeForest Buckter's with us. Before I let you go, um, and nothing against, obviously, Frank or anything like that, but did, has, did Jeff galvanize you guys at all with what he has said? And then, you know, playing off of that win on Sunday, was there any galvanizing in that locker room? that you saw as the team leader? No, I mean, I just, uh, you know, like I said, um, there was just a, a different type of energy. Um, you know, it's unfortunate um, that, uh, you know, that, that type of energy, you know, something switched. I mean, you know, I can't tell you if it was like, you know, it was like a, a point where guys realized, like, man, like, you know, coach, there's coach, you know, coaches are getting fired because of what we're doing. You know, obviously we're not playing up to our potential. Whatever it is, I mean, Last week, guys were, you know, obviously shook and, and woke up. You know what I mean? And and um, there was, you know, we, we kind of finally realized we weren't playing up to the standard. And, then, um, you know, Jeff Brent coming in with the energy that he brought in and uh, holding guys accountable, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. You know, it, it all kind of, you know, that's just the way that everything, you know, panned out. You know what I mean? And, I mean, there's nothing no nothing towards Frank because Frank was a great coach. You know what I mean? I, I love Frank Wright. And, um, you know, it's just the way everything kind of shook out and, um, obviously, getting that big, that win was was big for us, you know, especially with everything that we went through that week, and um, you know, we just definitely something positive we can feed off of and going into this week. So, DeForest Buckter with us. Before I let you go, you guys defensively had a great deal of success against Patrick Mahomes, a great deal of success against Russell Wilson on a Thursday night, and you get kind of like the same want to keep him in the well type of quarterback with Jalen Hurts coming up on Sunday with the Eagles. What do you think about Hurts and their offense and what you're going to deal with on Sunday, DeForest? Uh, yeah, I mean, Jalen, obviously, he's, he's you know, obviously one hell of a quarterback. He can extend plays out of the pocket. And uh, like you said, we got to do, do a really good job of front rushing as one, um, you know, trying to keep him in the pocket. And, uh, and also, really, the run game, you know what I mean, especially with the, the zone reads. So, you know, the guys up front, we got to be really on our keys, especially the DNs got to be on their keys because he's reading the DNs, you know, obviously, you know, in all those own reads and things like that. So, you know, overall, we got to be, we got to do a really good job with, with staying on our keys and obviously doing our jobs because, you know, they, they capitalize on guys making mistakes. Hey, I appreciate you coming on here because I know dealing with that can be tough and especially a week later can be tough when you're rehashing it, but. Man, you're always a really open, thoughtful dude, and I thought you were perfect for this show to describe what's transpired in the in the past week or so. And I thank you for doing that, man, because transparent and open is what you are and thoughtful, and we appreciate you jumping on here. Best of luck coming up on Sunday at home. That should be a juiced atmosphere, though. Let me tell you, that place is going to be rocking. Yeah. Oh, no, it's going to be rocking. I can't wait. You know, uh, it's sold out. You know, um, you know, you got the number one team in football coming to town to play us, and um, you know, what better way to defend our house against the Eagles? So it's going to be fun. Can't wait. Hey, keep playing at that high level, DeForest. And we appreciate you, man. Thank you again for the time. No, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from CBS4 and Fox 59, he is Mike Chappell with us. Hello, Mike. How are you? Good. How are you? All right. This investigation that Ian Rappaport reported about within the past 35 40 minutes regarding the hiring of an interim head coach that being jeff saturday what do you know just what i just looked at it uh all, all i know is what, what we were told that monday night is that you know from, from the colts point of view they they followed all the all the appropriate guidelines and did what was required of them and again i i I don't know the extent of what has to be followed on the on the Rooney Rule with interim coaches. Now, whether it mattered that this was outside the building, I don't know. The, the, all I know from a functional standpoint 
is when you're hiring an interim coach, how much time do you have to interview two, three, four people when you've got a game in five or six days? So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see where this goes from the Colts' point of view. But I think Jeff Saturday even mentioned that he, he accepted the job after he was told that everything had been all the you know the proper process and procedures have been taken. So we'll see where this goes. It, it seemed like to me that they felt like entirely buttoned up in this process. So my assumption was that they knew something like this was coming after they made the announcement. You agree? Probably so. Probably so. And that's why you just, you know, yeah, this was a outside-the-box hire and all this by the owner, but there's still, you know, in certain things there still are procedures that, that you have to follow. And I just can't believe they would have gone totally rogue and ignoring rules. So, you know, we'll see if the Colts have a response and, and where this goes and whether this is just a case of, well, we'll see where it goes. So Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59 on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I just had DeForest Buckner on, and I was talking about how, you know, against Patrick Mahomes, played well. Against Russell Wilson, in an awful game, played well. Comparisons to be made about the level they played to control, or as I brought up, they talk about all the time keeping guys under center like Jalen Hurts, you know, in the well. Any correlation can be made with the success they've had earlier this season and those two matchups compared to what they're going to see in Jalen Hurts, Mike, coming up on Sunday? Same type of threat. Uh, he, he may be, he's more of that RPO guy to where he's going to tuck it and run if you're not sound on the edge. But, boy, they've got so many ways to beat you. It's not going to hurt at all that they lost their tight end for a month or so. But if, if you don't pay attention to one ask, you know, A.J. Brown for crying out loud. I mean, you know, they, they've got so many quality receivers and, and, and in what the quarterback can do. You better be on point or they'll hurt you. Yeah, and no question about that. Would you gather anything from that Monday night loss at Washington other than the fact that, man, the commanders really ate up so much clock and ran the ball so much? Is that going to be a similar pattern from Parks Frazier that we might expect to see on Sunday? Well, it's something we talked to Nick Sariani on Wednesday, I guess it was, and he mentioned how I think in their building, or maybe him talking to their his media, how he went back to the remember the blueprint the Colts the Colts had when they played Kansas City in what was it 2019, and they went in there and just, just controlled the clock and they ran the heck out of the ball and the defense played well, and what it, it, it's similar to what the, what people used to do to Peyton, you you, you limit possessions, and, and you don't give them 12, 13, you give them eight or nine, and, and you know the, the the fewer times the better so. I just have to believe these guys are going to try to to run the ball. What did Washington do? Like forty some forty eight carries for one hundred and fifty yards. That's like you know it was like three yards a carry, but but, but they stuck with yeah. it. And as long as the game allows you to do that, that's what you do. Now, of course, let's keep in mind that they turned the ball over four times. <laughs> so yeah, you know th- th- that helps too. But you know, I don't think the Colts have to play perfect by any stretch. But. Uh, they, they, they have to do more of what they did against the Raiders against a much, much, much better team in defense. But it's not like they have to go out of their way and do something extraordinary. They just have to play their game and limit the turnovers, if not eliminate turnovers. Didn't really see much at all of the Gilmore-Adams matchup until it really counted at the end of the game in Vegas on Sunday, and I guess that stands the reason. The reason why you have Stephon Gilmore is for situations like that, and last time out at Lucas Oil Stadium, A.J. Brown had a, a really good game, so how much do you expect to see him on that side and uh, trying to blanket A.J. Brown on Sunday? Some. I mean, we talked to Gus Bradley, Bradley about that. You pick your spots. I went back and kind of charted uh, Gilmore during that game. And he wasn't on him as much as you might think. I mean, he, he stayed on the left side a lot, and he didn't he didn't follow Adams around, you know, I don't know, half a dozen times maybe, maybe a few more than that. But 
but they, they didn't do that. But, it, but then when it came to, to game time, they put him out there and they said, here, you know, th- this is the game. You know, win a game for us. And it certainly helped, you know, unlike Washington where they, he was out there with McLaren and there was no pressure. And, and Heineke had, gosh, eight, ten seconds. This is the time they brought, I think it was Okereke on a blitz, and they really forced the play. And I tell you, that was a great throw by Carr. It was right there, but so was Gilmore. So that, that's what you want. That, see, that's what it is. It, it's 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 when when it's big time in a game, your big players play. Your big you, you make that play. And I talked to Gilmore about that. He said, "Yeah, it's just." He said, "That's what you want." He said, "It's kind of like Michael Jordan wanting to take that last shot." You want to be the guy that the, the game's in your hands. It it worked then. It didn't work against Washington. For, again, what it was out it really is his control at a lot of points. And then against Denver, he makes two big plays. So that that's why you bring a guy here. It's it, it's a, a different level. But when you've got that pass rusher, when you've got Franny or Mathis, and they just don't do much for 55 minutes, and then in five minutes they they just turn the game around with what they do. So. That's what big-time players do. Mike Chappell's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. How much do you think has settled down from what was chaotic last week and then going into the weekend, getting a win, celebrating that, and then getting back to business yesterday in, in terms of preparing for Philadelphia? Things settled down quite a bit in that locker room around that organization after what was last week? probably more so the coaching a part of the building. You know, keep in mind that this all came down late or mid-late on, on Monday last week. And, and that's, you know, normally that's when you're already, you know, looking ahead to the next game and, and you're sort of preparing things. And, you know, they didn't have a play caller until like Tuesday. So, yeah, I, I think there's more, there's more of a normalcy going on and, it's really going to be curious to see how, how they come out this week. And, you know, first home game for coach just Saturday against a much tougher opponent, like we mentioned. So I just want to see how – was there initial, an initial burst of, of adrenaline, energy, whatever you want to call it, and how does that – can you sustain that? You know, maybe I'm overblowing the, the, the emotional boost you get from any change. Uh, but they, they, they look better. They looked – they look more aggressive against the Raider, the Raiders. So we'll see. But I'm really curious how they do. But yeah, I think there is more of a that they're back into their seven day life cycle. Because again, last week it wasn't seven days; it was like five days. And then you've got to play. So and then, oh, then by the way, they didn't know their starting quarterback until Thursday or Friday. So it was a lot of stuff going on last week. All right, when you look at the offensive line. Was that a rebirth of sorts, or was that a product of the defensive line in which that team was playing against on Sunday? Oh, probably a little bit of both, because they're going to, you know, that that was an awful offensive defensive line. It's it's incredible when you've got Max Crosby and Chandler Jones played like forty six plays, and you never noticed him. This is going to be different. Philly's pretty good. Phil, I mean, they're. They're like uh, fourth in sacks and third in interceptions, and so they're really going to be, you know, a, a, a much tougher task. But hopefully, what we saw last week was just just a coming together of the line. You know, may, maybe with Jeff Saturday being harder on him during practice, and apparently he really went after him a couple of days. Where you know, let's do it right, dog on it, and we've been waiting for that all year. We did, you know, they just played. Very poorly all year. A couple of spots here, there you see flashes, but that was the game again. We were talking in, in the press room. The, the game on on Sunday. That's exactly exactly how they, they they probably sold it to Matt Ryan to come. You know, to, to, to be willing to, for the trade and all that is. Hey, we got a running game. We got an offensive line that's going to protect you. The one sack was really on him because he held the ball too long. And the defense is going to play well, and, and then we'll see. And that's exactly what that game was. So, you know, sustain it. You know, it's, it's do it again. No matter what you did last week, do it again and then again and again. And we'll see. But until they continue to stack these games like that, 
you're just going to wonder: was that do you do you put more faith in that one game or the nine games you saw before that? The problem they've got is so much of the season has been 35 sacks and and nine interceptions and all that stuff. So that's still there in my mind. You know, I can't totally forget that just because they played one really good game in Vegas. No, you're right about that. I would hate for that to just to be either one, the Raiders' lack of being good, or two, it just being like a one-week inspiration. Because here's what happens. These, these interim coaching things, I mean, you can have a moment like they had in Vegas on Sunday where everything can be good and you're thinking, yeah, you're on the right track. And then, you know, that thing can wear off. So they're saying all the right things. Like I just talked to DeForest Buckner saying all the right things. Now you're going to have to prove it to folks against a much better team, arguably the best team in the NFL uh, in your home environment coming up on Sunday, that this just wasn't kind of a shot in the arm that wore off a week later. Yeah. You're just curious how they're going to respond. You know, the players probably were, are, they're just so tired of the, of the, of the I'll say outside distractions, but they're inside distractions that they've had to deal with all, you know, over, over the last month primarily. And I just think they want to focus on what they've got to do. And that's why, let, let's see, you know, it, it, has Bernard Ryman, is, is he finally selling, settling in at left tackle? And is Will Fry's going to be the guy at right guard? And, you know, it, 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 was that the, the first game of Jonathan Taylor actually getting back to who he was and who he should be and who he can be? You won't know until Sunday. And I, I've got a decent feeling because I think what they did was an extraordinary in 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 Vegas. I mean, n- not not what they did, but just how they did it was. That's how you're supposed to do it. That's how you know there was nobody did anything extraordinary. That's just how they do things. So, can they do it against better competition? I, until, and, until, but until until they do it, you're gonna say, well, but that was one game. You know, what about those nine before that when so much went wrong most of the time? So I'm really curious how they come out and do on Sunday. Michael Pittman Jr. bad with the fumble, good going back to get it to help them secure a win. But it's still something that evidently at this point in his career he's got to figure this thing out. Yeah, we we talked to Reggie Wayne today, and I asked him. I, I think I use the word slump, and that's not the right word. That's not what he's in. But he's got this little three game funk right now. Remember, he had to fumble at Tennessee, which was really inconsequential. I think it was a two score game at the time, and they weren't going to come back. But boy, you had you had the drop against Washington, and still love to see what would have happened if they, if he catches that. And then if if that Raiders linebacker falls on it instead of trying to get him around with it. And Pittman doesn't come back and, and, and get it. You know, we may not be having this upbeat conversation that we're having. So, but I, I think he understands that. And it's, I, I just think Reggie's not concerned because he knows the kind of player and, and, and competitor that, that Pitt is. So, uh, but, but he does need to sort of clean that up because you just can't. This team has fumbled 21 times, 20, 23 times, 23 times in 10 games. That's ridiculous. That's two and a half a game. Uh, so they just got to clean things up all over and including Pitt right now because he can't keep doing this. Hey, Mike, I'm going to paraphrase something that Reggie Wayne said when he met with you guys a little bit earlier in terms of Frank Reich asking him to join the team as a wide receivers coach and then you know ultimately Frank Reich being dismissed in the middle of the season. He said something to the tune that, you know, if – he would have known that was coming. He would not have accepted the gig. What do you mean by that? Well, I guess he's serious. Just if you had known that that Marcus Brady is going to get fired and Frank's going to get fired, and you're going to bench your your, your coach or your, your your quarterback and all 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 the disruptions, all the all the things you've had to adjust to, he said, "No, nah, it's only no." Now, whether he would have, he, he may have been semi kidding. I don't know. He it's all it's always great talking to Reggie and. Whether he would have turned turned it down, knowing that I don't know, he said, "Hey, I, I could write a book on what's going on the last month." But what was really interesting <laughs> is he was asked if if he would have been asked to be interim coach, he'd have taken it in a heartbeat. He, he, he said, "Sure, hell yeah, I would have." And that's why he said it, people that are complaining about Jeff Savage taking it, he said, "Of course he should take it." 
he he wasn't really in that group to where yeah you didn't you didn't pay your dues and this that and the other. He said you take it. You always do that. So it's always refreshing to talk to Reg because he's going to tell you what he's thinking and he doesn't care if it's politically correct or not. I thought Scott Milanovic, the quarterback's coach, made a career mistake as far as where he is right now and not initially accepting the play-calling gig when asked. Parks Frazier ended up taking the baton and really running with it uh, to a success on Sunday. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know what all went into it. When I talked to Frank last Tuesday, Tuesday, the day after he was fired, he said, yeah, I just got off the, the phone with Scott, and he told me he, he was offered the job. So from from my understanding, Scott was the first guy to be asked, and he turned it down. For I've heard reasons on why he didn't, and I, I can't confirm any of that. But, yeah, it's really kind of hard to, to – Say no when somebody asks you to do more. Uh, I don't know if he. I don't know if he regrets it, but he did it for what he thought was right for him. But sometimes you just like Jeff Saturday. You sort of have to. When somebody asks, you say yes, just because you never know if they're going to ask again. Well, I put it in terms of of what I do, and here's the example. Like I get interns come in all the time, and. What they ask is, all right, so what's the most important part of moving along in a career and what you do? And I say the first thing you do is you say yes to everything that's asked of you, no matter what it is. At that station where you either, you know, you're an intern or you're employed at a lower level, you take on any gig that is asked of you. And, you know, whether or not it's, you know, monetary or, you know, some, you know, I don't know, maybe he, it was something with Frank where he was just being loyal or whatever. To me, it doesn't matter. To me, in that situation, you take the gig. If, if you're, you're asked for the gig, it doesn't come around very often, right? Not a lot of these gigs out there. You take it, and now you see Parks Frazier. I don't know the dude too well, but it seemed like that he acclimated to that role. He kept everything simple, I think, across the board, Mike. That's exactly what this team did going into Vegas on Sunday is everything was simple and everything was directed to the playmakers of this team. That is what we saw. And, you know, it all starts with that offensive line. If that offensive line plays like that, that team can play like that. If it plays like it did most of the season so far, the outcome is going to be much different than what we saw on Sunday. Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to Reggie and I said, but we were talking about Pitt. And he said, I said, you know, if Pitt doesn't fall on that ball, come back and get that ball. You guys yeah. might lose," he said. "If if if we won more games, Frank could still be here, so we we could play that game forever. But yeah, but back on the play calling thing, unless they're asking you something totally out, outside the box that you shouldn't do, you do it. You just, you just do it because, like you said, and I said, sometimes they don't they don't ask you again. You know, they asked Reggie two or three times to be receivers coach, and he finally agreed to it. It's at some point that they quit asking you. So yeah, I don't know what all went into it behind the, the behind the scenes. I've got an idea, but I don't not enough to, to say it. But you just you just do it. You just sort of you make it a collective effort, and you all do it and, and see where it goes. You know, let, let's say that Jeff Saturday is more than competent over the next seven games, and he's back next year. He's going to bring his. He's going to have his own staff and you just want you just want to kind of be on his good side and the owner's good side and you know you gotta do what's right for you but at the same time when you're when you were when you're an assistant something you generally say yes when somebody asks you to do something mike chapel of cbs4 and fox 59 is on the andy moore automotive group hotline we're at the bulldog and broad ripple on a larceny bourbon locks and luna azul tequila shots thursday did jim Marseille have a plan b for jeff saturday no you mean if, if saturday said no yeah no he's because he, he said in that monday press conference that jeff says no we're not here which is strange <laughs> i mean it's just strange well, I mean, and, and while while I, I I know that I'm just do you fully believe that that they're not there that it was just kind of all or nothing at that well, point there was there was a lot that was said during that press conference that I had 
trouble believing. Agree. So. That's that's why I ask. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, I just thought it was strange. If if you're to the point after that game, where you were just convinced that Frank had to go, what was it? I mean, twenty six to three, whatever. And it was awful. One of the worst offensive performances. If you're that convinced, and Jeff Saturday says no, then you then you go to then you go ahead and get rid of Frank and you bring in and you hire from within. You know, Gus Bradley or Bubba Ventrone or, or, or John Fox. So that that's kind of, that that just struck me. There were a couple of things that struck me. That was one of them. But you know, fortunately, Jeff for them, Jeff did say yes. And again, we'll see where this thing goes. All right, what are you thinking about Sunday, Mike? After that Vegas win, you get a much tougher and probably a hungry opponent that's not messing around. Laval Joseph. Or Linval Joseph, Linval Joseph, I should say, and and Donna Kinsu brought in in the past 48 hours for a team that got dinged up on Monday night against the Commanders, but they're serious about their business right now. What do you think about the matchup? Yeah, I probably would rather have had them come in here unbeaten <laughs> in, 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 instead of, you know, PO'd. But, uh, again, I, I don't think the Colts win, but just take it in the fourth quarter and let's see, run the, run the ball – you know, and take care of the ball and let's see because they just they played better with Matt Ryan. I realize, you know, what's happened early in the season and all that, but he gives them a chance. We said that last week. Matt Ryan gives them a chance. He, he simply does. Right. And if they can just replicate what they did to some level in Vegas on Sunday, uh, I give them more than a puncher's chance of winning. So Mike Chappell of CBS 4 and Fox 59, he's – on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Matt, what do, what do you think regarding Buffalo and Cleveland? That game, because of the snowstorm, moved to Detroit. I know this is out of market and people don't really care. But I initially thought that that, you know, was a tremendous detriment to Buffalo because it takes away their home game. But because it's going to be in a controlled environment and because now Buffalo can just do about everything, is that worse for the Browns in this case than it is for Buffalo? Well, they both got to, on a last-minute move and, and, and go to Detroit. So, I don't, I don't know. I Buffalo's got so many problems right now that has nothing to do with playing conditions. They got a quarterback who was everybody's MVP until the last two weeks when he's turned the ball over. And oh, by the way, he's still got apparently a an elbow issue to to deal with. So, uh it would have been kind of fun to see him have to play in Buffalo, but they couldn't have because, I mean, it's supposed to really be, I mean, really, really bad conditions. But yeah. uh, I'm assuming that was probably more, almost more for the fans could and be. the support personnel well and everybody than it was for the game, right? Well, in security and, and getting to yeah. and from the stadium right. and all that stuff, you know, you're trying to clear streets just so that the emergency vehicles can get to where they may need to go. So it was a no-brainer. Fortunately, they did it early enough in the week. Well, it's Thursday. I shouldn't say early enough in the week. But, uh, yeah, it, it's it's kind of good for the city of Detroit because now they got an extra revenue for, for fans or for, for the vendors <laughs> around there. But uh, strange times, strange season. Wait, what, what do you do there? Is it like the old festival seating for a concert? Do you just buy at the door and, like, sprint down to get to your favorite seat? Is that what happens? Yeah, let's, do, let's just open the doors. Uh, <laughs> you know, come on. Here's here's five bucks to go for something. But yeah, that's I, awesome. I All right, buddy. Wouldn't, 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 pre- wouldn't like the wouldn't, wouldn't like the Buffalo season ticket holders have first claim for their ticket? I, I don't know how that works. That's that's a something else somebody something somebody else can look into. That is a tremendous headache for somebody yep. there. There's no no doubt about that whatsoever all right we'll follow this you know hiring process investigation maybe a little bit more closely too mike when uh, the information becomes more available than than that particular report regarding the colts but i appreciate you we'll see you up in the press box on sunday for what should be an entirely juiced environment by the way looking forward to it see you sunday Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, Valley Sports, Indiana. He's our friend Jeremiah Johnson joining us now. All right, so we're someplace where you're talking about a, a rebuild, a reset for this team. 
But clearly, J.J., this team is better than what everybody, certainly including myself, thought it was going to be. Maybe not against some of the elite-level talents in the NBA, but certainly not as bad as what we thought. So, to me, when everybody says, hey, you know what, I want them to play well and then lose, I want to see this group see signs of growth through winning and results, too. Is there anything wrong with that? Absolutely not, JMV. I mean, part of the building process is feeling good about what you're doing, and there's no better way to feel good about not just the present but the future than by going out there on the court and winning games. Because if it's if you just kind of go out there and, as you, you mentioned, compete, but then you know don't achieve success at the end of the game, then you question what it's going to take to get there. So I, I, you go out there, you play, you try to win every game. As you mentioned, we don't know due to contract situations what is going to end up happening with certain players because you do have to think big picture and look in the best interest of the organization, not just in the next four months, but in the next four years. And so that will go into play. That will be something that everyone is thinking about. But right now, you're enjoying the development and winning these games right now, I do believe, can tangibly help you in the future as well. So J.J. joins us from Bally Sports Indiana on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Uh, it is clear to me right now that Miles and Tyrese Halliburton have a connection, and they work well together, really well together. High ball screen-wise, Miles is just in a spot right now that he's never had before. He's got an elite-level willing passer who also can get to the rim who also can shoot a jump shot that's just something he's not seen do you also see that connection is that one of the chief reasons why we see miles playing so much better and so much more consistently as of late there are a couple of layers to this and i think it's first um worth pointing out that i think anyone would play well with tyrese halliburton if he joined you in your noon pickup game I think everyone on the court would play well with him I think he's just a connector he's someone that knows it's important at any particular time if, if a guy is down or if a guy needs a shot he gets him the ball otherwise he finds the open man and open man and he's he's still going to attack the basket and get his points but he knows the value and the importance of a point guard but the other thing I think maybe we need to just acknowledge that the last four or five seasons the lane was clogged up just a little bit and it's not like Miles Turner never played without DeMontis Sabonis on the court. They staggered their minutes just a little bit, but I don't think you had the extended time over the course of an entire game to maybe get into the flow as much as he has over the last couple of weeks. And so, you know, rolling to the basket, I don't think was something that he, he was asked to do. And I watched, I've heard Rick Carlisle talk about it, and I've seen it with my own eyes. They've been emphasizing to him, set that screen and roll. How many times in the past was it set the screen and pop, or it was a slip screen? And, hey, well, and when, when, when he rolled, J.J., he never, rarely, if ever, got the ball. Yeah. So then I go back to that's Tyrese Halliburton finding him, but it's also it's a point of emphasis. They want him to attack, especially if there's a smaller defender on him. They're telling him, you can get the ball inside and you can finish, and he is uh, you know, rewarding the trust and belief that they have in him right now by – by finishing so it just wasn't part of it wasn't part of the game plan it wasn't you know one two or three maybe in the past four or five seasons of what you wanted to see out of miles turner you loved his ability to knock down a shot but it was often always just pick and pop and so with him as a threat inside with tyree Talliburton finding him and also with him getting some of these mismatches that he's taking advantage of he's going to the free throw line as much as i've seen in his career he's going in and and getting as many rebounds. It's just been a fantastic two or three weeks for Miles Turner and a lot of consistency, and that's really all you can ask for. It's at JJ of Bally Sports Indiana on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Um, as far as this team overall, what was your judgment going into the season? Because I, I've been wrong, because this team is a lot better than I thought it was going to be. How about you? Because you saw them working out before they actually played. Maybe they turned you on to something that a lot of us did not see but did you think that and I, six and five is not great by any stretch but for this team and what I thought it was going to look like early more discombobulation than I think any cohesion that it had what do you think compared to what has happened so far JJ yeah they definitely exceeded my expectations the thing that I thought at the start of the season was they would play hard and if a team took them for granted they would make them pay but what we're seeing right now is a lot of these teams they're playing, you know, you look up and down the roster and 
Okay, the first guy off the bench for the Pacers compared to the first guy off the bench for the Hornets, I think I like Benedict Matherin. And the point guard, uh, LaMelo Ball and Tyree Talibur, and that was a great matchup. But I, I'm seeing up and down the roster, one through ten, I don't see the mismatches that maybe I feared in training camp or I thought. Now, is it, some of it's the schedule and who you played. You haven't played a lot of those Western Conference opponents yet, and you haven't played the Bucks or the Celtics. So those will be games that I think will be a true test for – just how good this team is right now. But of the teams you've played, um, the Pacers have been competitive pretty much from start to finish. And the thing that I mentioned maybe to you the last time we talked, or at least on my podcast, is that they're not allowing teams to go on big runs against them. And that's the biggest reason they're in all of these games is a 7-0 run, no one's hanging their heads. They're quickly stopping that run, and they're getting back into the game. We're not seeing these you know, 17 to two runs that we saw in years past. And that's big because you're always going to see runs in the NBA, but they're countering some of the seven zero runs from the other teams with 10, two runs of their own. And that's how they're staying in some of these games. So definitely have exceeded my expectations. I'm not sure that through 13 games, I saw seven and six, but I'm enjoying watching it. And I'm seeing a lot of positive steps. Yeah, we're live with the Bulldog and Broad Ripple on a Larson, the Mormon Locks and Luna Azul Tequila Shots week 11 of the NFL season. And we also have a tavern tour stop going on here. Free T-shirts and more for you. Get off of college in Broad Ripple at the legendary Bulldog. I, I'm going to mix a little bit of the uh, big-time work in progress with the excitement of what we've seen so far with a 6-5 and five start. Is it, Defensively, we do see some of these same old problems. And, and let's face it, I think, I think Rick Carlisle's done a really good job of, of sensing when a team, as you mentioned, could go on a large run, as we have seen certainly in recent history, and squashed it by calling a timeout, getting these guys back in gear a little bit. But defensively, especially out front, is still beyond a huge question mark for this group. Yeah, I think it is. Some of that's pace-related, and when you're running up and down the court so fast, it's hard to just be a lockdown defensive-oriented team. Uh, one of their best wing defenders is Aaron Neesmith, and, and maybe he struggled a little bit offensively, but he's been injured as well. And, and Miles Turner, some of those numbers uh, would be a little bit better if he didn't miss the first five games of the season. So I, they're probably a little bit better. I, I do think that there have been some changes made this year with some of the philosophies and some of the things they're trying to do. And Ronald Norad is really handling a lot of the defense this year. Lloyd Pierce is handling some of the more uh, associate head coach or assistant head coach type of responsibilities. And so that's a little bit different from last season. And uh, it's fun to watch Ronald Norad during a game because he's so intense and he's been active and he's calling out all kinds of things. And so uh, really what you're looking for when you're playing as well offensively and you're also playing with the kind of pace the Pacers are playing with is probably just to try to be middle of the pack defensively. I know you're talking specifically about you know, in the backcourt and making sure yeah. you don't get beat off the dribble, but you also have to factor in a guy like LaMelo Ball. That's, you know, he's one of the best in the league at that. So some of it depends on your matchup just a little bit. And when you've got Halliburton and McConnell and Nemhard in the backcourt, sometimes, you know, Nemhard, I think, has done a really good job. And, and we've seen Halliburton and McConnell increase their steal numbers. And so sometimes maybe they've t- made a few more, taken a few more chances of late than they, than they would. But Definitely, you know, stopping the guy, the, the uh, ball handler in the backcourt is a priority and something they could probably still improve upon. You know, you, you mentioned that last night, too, with LaMelo Ball being the focus. And it's not like he got to the rim very often. But what he has developed and what he has, and you're going to see a lot more of this against this Pacer team, certainly as long as Miles is in the game, and really with Isaiah Jackson, too, because he has become a, a good shot blocker is those floaters. I, I think last night, LaMelo Ball probably had six, eight-plus points out of those mid-range floaters before he had to attack the basket. Yeah, and you put the you know, the shot blocker in a tough situation because you don't want them, you know, they don't want to extend too far out and then leave someone open behind them. And in the floater game, that's something players are really working on really at age six and on up at this point. So you're going to see guys get in the lane and work on that floater. I think Tyrese Halliburton getting better at that. The Pacers, I like that they've got into the lane with the floater, and a lot of times you're not quite sure if it's a floater or a lob. Now, we hadn't seen lobs as part of the Pacers' offense for a number of seasons, but right now with Jackson specifically on the court, if you're getting into the lane, you kind of have a decision at the last minute whether you're going to shoot it or you're going to pass it. So to your point, I think that uh, you know that's some of the things they do need to kind of work on just to keep them out of the lane, and I was impressed with 
LaMelo Ball just his third game of the season. Uh, I think there's going to be some fun matchups between he and Tyrese Halliburton out of that same draft class over the next few seasons. So, J.J. joining us from Bally Sports, Indiana, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Before I let you go, anything else stand out, not only about last night, but regarding the 6-5 and five start to this point? It just does feel like Halliburton, Heald, and Turner, they've been kind of the three players along with Mather. And so, really, you've got a big four. No one else in the NBA has four players averaging 18 points per game. But there are other guys that are stepping up on any given night. And I chose Jalen Smith for the walk-off interview just last night because when the starters came back into the game, he had a three or four uh, sequences of plays that really changed the game. He scored, he got to the free-throw line, he had a block shot. Maybe from start to finish it wasn't his best game, but what we're seeing is some of the quote-unquote role players, not just the stars, are coming in and playing and having big moments in the games. So, um, you know, you'd like to see maybe Benning Mather and, you know, the stretch of the second quarter and the stretch of the fourth quarter was really good, but you are reminded at times he is still a rookie. So I'm just looking forward to seeing maybe just a little bit more consistency, but I love everything that he is doing. And I do like some of the contributions from some of the guys that don't lead the team in scoring. All right. Houston next up, correct? Yep. We're in Houston right now. Pacers play the Rockets tomorrow night, and then it'll be, uh, two games against the Magic Saturday and Monday. We'll see if Paolo Bancaro is able to play. He's been out for three or four games with a sprained ankle, but that'll be a high-profile rookie showdown if he's able to play in at least one of those games at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Well, you guys got a back, yeah, back-to-back or home-and-home yep. with Orlando. Is that what that is coming up? Yep, it'll be uh, you know at Houston on Friday and then the yeah. flight home and a game against the Magic Saturday and then another game against the Magic at home on Monday as well, and, and actually home all next week. So home Saturday, Monday, Wednesday against the Timberwolves, and Friday against the Nets before that long West Coast road trip. Hey, maybe I'm just a complete lover of basketball, which you know is accurate. But the start of this NBA season has been pretty enjoyable to me. Now, I guess if you're a Laker fan or a fan of LeBron, there hasn't been any enjoyment there. But otherwise, you got some surprises you watch Sacramento put up 153 against Brooklyn, <laughs> Brooklyn's been an absolute mess. But then, I mean, beyond you know, like Utah, for example, surprising, you know, the Celtics, the Bucks, right there. I mean, you've got some of those those teams that you would expect to be there being there. And, man, Portland at 10-4. and four. That kind of shocks – that almost shocks me more than the Jazz hanging in there at 10-6 and six out west so far. One of the things that's interesting is – for so many years, you would say through 20 games, you take a snapshot of the top eight and you think that's pretty close to what it'll be at the end of the season. I don't know what it's going to look like in the top eight in the East or the West after 20 games, but I'm safe to say there are going to be some teams sitting 12th or 13th in their respective conferences that think they're going to be in that top eight when all is said and done. And so I, it's been very entertaining. Every night you could look at the schedule and say – you know, you might have thought this would be this team's automatic win, but not anymore. And teams like the Jazz, teams like the, the Blazers, teams like the Pacers, let's lump them into this category. Um, they're playing well, and it's the young players that have come in and really had such a big impact on a lot of these teams um, that, that have really been the difference. All right. Tomorrow night in Houston, J.J. and company staked out, and uh, they'll fire it up. Coming up tomorrow night with the Pacers coming off a win last night in Charlotte. Get the Rockets coming up next. Jeremiah Johnson, Bally Sports Indiana, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. JJ, appreciate it. All right, John, anytime. You got it. Jeremiah Johnson right there.